Well, praise the Lord, church. God is good, amen? It's definitely an honor to be able to be before you to preach the gospel that God may be made known through Jesus Christ and worship for his glory and for our joy. You know, I'm actually thankful that we can know God together. Isn't that good? That he's connected us through the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if that's the only thing we have in common, I'm all right with that. Because that one thing will always remain and we will always have a foundation to connect and be connected with God and his people. Amen. But I want to ask you something. Have you ever felt disconnected? Lost to the world. Felt like you were in the shadows. Physically, things weren't in your favor. Favor, They seemed to be falling apart. Spiritually, things just seemed a little bit beyond your grasp. With the feelings of being on the outside, alone, an outcast. Even feeling that way towards God because things just weren't as together as you would imagine them to be. Even your prayers. Maybe you doubted in your prayers the Lord's willingness to help. Maybe it was because you couldn't see beyond how messed up things were or you were just steeped in sin. Have you ever felt so disconnected that you couldn't even express how you felt? You just made sounds like, ah, oh, or <laughs> right? Have you ever felt so disconnected that you wouldn't, you weren't even certain of how to even approach God. You just knew that you were desperate, running out of time, longing for genuine change, knowing that there was nothing and no one else to turn to. If that's been you, or if that's you today, I want to share with you a text that's actually close to my heart. Um, it's in Luke 5, and I, it's, the text is close to my heart because it shows the willingness and the ability of God in such situations. Luke 5, uh, verses 12 through 14. And I would pray that our response to the text would leave us with our hope affirmed in who Jesus is, knowing in our hearts how to come. And I also pray that we leave seeing the need to come to him. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. And let's read verses 12 through 14, and then let's pray. When you have it, please say amen. amen. When I'll have it, I'll say amen too. <laughs> okay. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I come in the name of Jesus and I thank you for your word. I don't come standing by my own authority. I come in the authority of the scripture, Father, I thank you for your scripture that we might know you. I pray for clarity today, Lord, 
I pray that Christ be exalted, Lord. I pray that Christ be exalted for both sinner and saint. And I pray that you draw men and women, boys and girls to yourself, even if it's one, Lord God. And I pray that you help us see again and again that your grace is enough. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. So the title of my sermon is The Lord is Willing and Able. The Lord is Willing and Able. So today from the text, I want to share with you two things. And within those two things, I will have sub points. But the two main points, the heart to come to Jesus and the need to come to Jesus. The heart to come to Jesus and the need to come to Jesus. So I want to give you a little background about uh, the book of Luke. Luke's narrative was written with the aim for the reader to be certain of all that they had heard, and he had, that, that, all that they were taught about um, the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior for sinners from the one wise and true God. And Luke's main interest is salvation history. In his gospel, he makes clear that salvation is for sinful people. All right. And as you read through the details of his gospel, he makes sure to capture the heart of God for such sinners, for high ranking officials like Theophilus, to whom this book was written. And for those who were deemed as outcasts, the least of men, those of no reputation, like the leper, both high and low are sinners in need of salvation from a holy God who's full of grace and full of mercy. And our text deals with the healing of a leper. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark also record this, this, uh, this miracle. So by reading Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 44, along with our text in Luke, we get a consistent account of what took place so we too can actually be certain when knowing the heart of God as revealed in Jesus Christ, the one who has made him known. We pick up um, in the first part of verse 12 of chapter 5 in the book of Luke. Everyone, let's look at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. So picture this situation. This man came seeking Jesus. Most likely he had heard of all the good reports of Jesus healing all um, various diseases and even forgiving sins. We see this in Luke chapter four, the previous chapter, verse 37 says reports about him went out in every place in the surrounding region. And in verse 40, it says all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid hands on every one of them and he healed them. So the report had gone out. These were reports of good news, reports uh, that were good news to all those who were oppressed and all those who were afflicted. Here we have a man who actually listened to the message and is firmly persuaded that Jesus could actually do something about his situation. He had leprosy. And y'all, leprosy is a tragic disease to have. It's, it's not like the elementary cooties or anything. It's, it's, it's not like my germs. It's nothing like that. It is a tragic disease to have. In some cases, it was a direct punishment and curse from God for sin. We see that in Numbers chapter um, 12, when God is dealing with Miriam, the sister of Moses, because of her sin. We see that again in 
2 Kings chapter 5, and God punished Gehazi, punishes Gehazi um, for his greed. And we see it again in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 when um, uh, King Isaiah sins. But when it wasn't a curse, leprosy, leprosy was a result of a fallen world from when our first parents disobeyed God. Whichever the case, it clearly points to the curse of death as a result of sin, and it also pointed us to the need of salvation. And in Leviticus 13, leprosy was a general term for um, different kinds of skin diseases. It was one of the worst diseases you can have. I'd rather have the flu over leprosy, and I'm sure we would all choose health over any of the, any of the things, right? But the disease could cause a discoloration of the skin. It could cause, it could result in swelling or an eruption or a spot. It could cause greenish, or it, could, it would be greenish or reddish sometimes. It could cause raw skin to smell or rot away, and even the clothes of the leper were contaminated. It would affect the nervous system. So imagine a leper which is going about life, doing what he or she was doing, and next thing you know, bits and pieces are falling off of him or her because they could not feel just the normal wears and tears of life that we experience. Leprosy was horrible. It brought a numbness to the body as it destroyed the nerves. And it affected every part of the leper's life. And eventually, the leper would die from the disease alone. And there was, not, there was no being buried with the family. You weren't buried with the family. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 13, um, look at verses 45 and 46. See what the Lord says in his word. Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46. Some water. Do we have a say amen? amen. <clears throat> it reads, the leprous person who has the, the, the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean he shall dwell or he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp So for a Jew, religiously, a leper was cut off from fellowship, disconnected from the people of God. He would only see the priests if he felt that things were clearing up and he needed to check up. Thank you, brother. Excuse me. Socially, a leper was a loner unless he hung with other lepers. And people actually went out of their way to avoid contact with the leper. They were neglected, and many of their liberties were removed because they were unclean. In society, a leper was seen as the lowest of low. They were actually seen as dead people. Josephus, a historian, wrote this. It was forbidden to, he wrote that it was forbidden for the lepers to actually come into the city at all or live with any others as if they were in effect dead persons. So can you imagine the mental state of a leper who had been cast off, abandoned? Imagine the effects on the mind knowing that they could not approach nor be approached by anyone other than another leper. 
knowing that they could not um, touch or be touched with someone they loved, maybe seeing their kids grow off at a distance. Imagine them knowing that they would not only die, but most likely die alone, being cut off from everything that was dying for the leper, or being cut off because of everything that was dying on them, for the leper was like dying many times before actually being in the grave. One doctor refers to the disease as a painless hell. Painless on the outside, but hell on the inside. It was a serious condition, so, so serious that God gave his people a law to deal with this condi condition. Leviticus 13 and 14 shows us how serious God sees uncleanness. And it also shows us how serious he, um, he, he, he takes preserving and sanctifying his people from those who, are, those who are unclean. But there's another thing interesting about leprosy. It's a lot like sin. Listen to this. Like leprosy, sin makes us unclean before a perfect, sinless God who commands us to be separated, separate from sin because he's holy. Like leprosy, sin has completely affected every area of our lives. Religiously, sin affects our relationship with God. Socially, like leprosy, sin affects our relationships. And it affects our relationships with God's people. Psalms 1.5 says, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Like the leper, sinners are seen as unclean and as dead men. And Paul tells Christians in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, that they were dead in trespasses and in sin, which once they all walked, following the course of this world. And he goes on to say, we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were, not, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, like leprosy. Sin eventually brings death. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death, and death through sin, and death spread to all men because all sin. Sin is a lot like leprosy. And we're all affected by it, brothers and sisters. We're all affected by it. And this man, in our text, he is full of leprosy. He's full of it. So possibly meaning this, had, this man had a severe case, but I'm glad that Luke actually makes mention of this detail because mankind is full of sin, brothers and sisters. Look at our news. Listen to our music. Think about our conversations. Look at our relationships. Look in the mirror sometimes. <laughs> That's just keeping it real. And even thinking about, just think about the things that we think about. Right? Are we all not affected? And we need to know the heart of God for such people. Amen? And, 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 and glory to God that he has actually made his heart known through Jesus Christ, the one who has made him known. And, and, and he's made his heart known as he deals with this leper. So with all that leprosy brings, it's fair to say that leprosy brings suffering, right? Right. So I, I do believe that what the, what the Lord is doing is he's using this suffering of the leper to produce the right heart to come to Jesus. So let's look at the first part, the first point. 
the heart to come to Jesus, right? You can even add the right heart to come to Jesus is a humble heart. The right heart to come to Jesus is a humble heart. Come humble, come humbly as you are. And if we look at this miracle in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, we see the leper came to him and knelt before him. If we look at it in Mark 1, verse 40, we see the leper came imploring and kneeling. And in our text in Luke chapter 5, in the middle of verse 12, it reads, When Jesus, and when he, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. So the consistent posture that we see in each of the Gospels is humility. The leper came seeking Jesus in humility. And I say that because falling on his face was an expression of his humility. He's humble and he's aware of his condition. He knows he's unclean. He doesn't think that there's anything owed to him. And the text doesn't say that he even came crying out, unclean, unclean. It doesn't say that, but it does clearly show that he was not outside that city, but he was in the city where Jesus was. And if anyone is to come to Jesus, they must be honest and aware of their condition and humbled. You know, for us, the natural response is to stay away from where Jesus is, right? We get all unclean and we're like, I don't want to be around where the Lord hangs out, <laughs> right? Grasping for some type of Spirituality, when we come around the people of God, plan religion. We say things like, let me get my let me get myself together because I don't want to play with God. And like the leper, we're picking up, trying to pick up ourselves and put things back together. But when we see that sin is like leprosy, we should be humbled to come as we are, falling apart. And everything, brothers and sisters. Isn't that how we came to know him? Isn't that how we came to him? Aware of our sin, humbly asking him for mercy and to make us clean of all unrighteousness. Isn't that how we came? And didn't he show us pity and compassion when all others were hardened, maybe repulsed and turned away? You know, the Bible teaches that God has a heart for the humble. It's written all throughout the scripture. Listen to this. Second Samuel 22, 28. You save a humble people, an afflicted people in some, tra some translations, but your eyes are not on the are not on the haughty to bring them down. Second Chronicles 12, six through seven shows since Israel was humbled. God said that he would not destroy them and he, he would grant them some deliverance and his wrath would not be poured out on them by another nation. And actually, as a side note, brothers and sisters, I pray that we see humility in America because that's what we need. Amen. Psalm 25, verse 9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Psalm 149, verse 4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Matthew 23, verse 12, whoever exalts himself or whoever humbles himself, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, excuse me, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And let's remember, if we were to read all the details of this account, this actually follows when Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount. This is after he comes down. This is after he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So clearly God has left a witness of the right heart to come to him. And that right heart is a humble heart. Amen. He lifts up the humble. And like the leper, all we can do is come humbly to Jesus as we are unclean and all. And Christ promises that all the father gave him will come. And whoever comes, he will not cast off. John 637. And we need that promise, brothers and sisters, don't we? We definitely need that because even as sinners saved by grace in Jesus Christ, we know we still wrestle with sin and we need to be saved from sin, seen and unseen daily. Is that not so? We still have this lingering sin in the soul that we long to be completely clean of. And we feel it every day. So we too must remember, beloved of God, come as you are, humble In Christ, the humble are always welcome, always welcome. If you don't remember anything else, remember in Christ, the humble are always welcome before the throne of grace because he is our boldness. Amen. All right. Now, we also see the text that the right heart is a faith filled heart. The right heart when coming is a faith filled heart. Faith, believing he can. And we'll see that in the text, okay? So looking at this miracle in uh, Matthew, Mark, and in our text in Luke, we see the leper has a faith-filled heart because he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He calls him Lord, meaning that he saw Jesus as his master and as his owner. He saw him as the one who had complete rights over him. He was being more than polite right here because of his and because of his faith filled heart. The leper has surrendered his will to the Lord. And do you know that if we are truly to come to the Lord, we must surrender our wills. We must do that. That means we must uh, we must seek and strive to do things his way, not our own. He must truly be Lord. And thank God that we're not alone in that. Right. He sets us apart. He he sanctifies us. He wrestles with our will so we can learn to trust and truly hope in him. So we can eventually learn to say, not my will, but your will be done. Or like the leper, Lord, if you will. See, the leper has a faith-filled heart. Now, to have faith is to be persuaded or convinced by God. In other words, is to be sure of God's seen and unseen promises, because there's things that God has, God has promised that we can't even see. Right. It's to be sure that his promises are worth putting our hope in because of his character. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. I'm not. I might tell you I'm going to do something, but I don't have the power to accomplish what I what I desire to, to accomplish. God has all power and he works out all things to accomplish his good and perfect will. Faith is used by God. And I've said this before. Some of you have heard me say this. If faith were money, it would be the only money he accepts. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith comes from God as a gift, and God has determined that faith would come 
to us by hearing the word of Christ. And we see that in Romans 10, verse 17. So this leprous faith-filled heart comes from hearing about Jesus. The good news of what Jesus was doing in the other cities, it's been spread. It had gone out. And we see this a few times in chapter 4. There were natural and supernatural things Jesus said and did with astonishing authority, unlike anything anyone had ever seen or heard of before. And I believe um, the leper heard these reports and God was building his faith by his hearing. And And the leper's faith drove him to seek Jesus. First, he was convinced in um, who Jesus was, and then he was convinced in what he could do. So this is what a faith-filled heart looks like. And this is how we must come and keep coming to Jesus. Check this out. You know, if you don't believe that Jesus is a comforter, you won't come to him for comfort. What you'll do is you'll look for comfort in the, bottle, in the bottom of a bottle or in a substance or in a person or fill in the blank. If you don't have faith that he is mighty to save, you won't seek salvation of the Lord. You'll look for various or you'll turn to various idols such as wisdom and power or self or others to deliver your soul. And all these things will fail you. And we know they failed us. They will fail you because God has not designed for those things to sustain you. Only Jesus is the one who can sufficiently sustain you in all of your woes of life. And I want to further show you that faith, that having a faith filled heart, a believing heart is how we must come to Jesus. Turn to Matthew 9, verse 27 through 30. Matthew 9, 27 through 30. Here two blind men came to Jesus and he said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. They believed, they believed he could, and it, would count, it was counted as faith. In Mark chapter 9, verses 22 and 23, a father brought a son to Jesus to be healed of a demon who was torturing and tried to dest- trying to destore, destroy the son, uh, this man's son since he, he was a child. And the father tells Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And this is how Jesus answered him. This is in Mark 9, 22 through 23. If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. So here Jesus identifies the doubt in this man's heart, but he immediately gives him the solution. He basically tells him that he must believe he can. He must be certain that he's able. And this is what the man does. He immediately cries out, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this shows us that Jesus responds to even weak faith with compassion and power so we too can be encouraged. Because sometimes we know our faith gets weak. But one thing in all these situations that's common, these people were completely unable to provide for themselves. And this touches the Lord's heart. Think about this. What moves the heart of God 
Those who come humbly by their great need because of their inability. Those who humbly come in faith, great or small, and confess. Those who come and call out to the uh, call out to the Lord with all pride aside, saying, Lord, I cannot fix this, but you can. The right heart is a faith filled heart, believing he can. And, you know, faith is faith when it results in you putting your faith in or putting your hope and faith in Jesus alone. So we can apply that to our salvation first and then we can apply that to Areas of our life that we desperately need the Lord to help us in, whether it be marriage, whether it be work, whether it be parenting, whether it be in our friendships. This man's faithful heart moved the Lord with compassion. And we, too, should know the Lord is willing to move with compassion in our lives as we come to him with a humble and faith filled heart. The text also gives us the need to come to Jesus, the need to come to Jesus. Verse 13. In chapter in Luke, chapter five. And the Lord stretched out his hand. And touched him. Saying. I will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him. We need to come to Jesus because he's willing to clean us. We need to come to Jesus because he's willing to clean us. And each account of this miracle records, uh, it records Jesus responding the same exact way. You can look at it in Matthew. You can look at it in Mark. And here in Luke, verse 13, I will be clean. So when Jesus stretched out his hand and touched this man, he showed that he's willing to clean. Because think about it. The word of Christ would have been sufficient. All he would have had to do is just speak the word. But he's 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 committed to showing that he's willing. And he shows that he genuinely cares for this leper. Also keeping in mind that it was forbidden to touch a leper unless one risked being unclean themselves. But Jesus is so unique and so willing for those who believe that our sins, our leprosy can't even blemish him. God made him the sin bearer and giver of righteousness. He takes our sin and he gives us a clean slate. He takes he's willing to take on the condition of any person, the least of society, the least that society has to offer such as his leper, those abandoned and those broken, any guilt-stained sinner. Brothers and sisters, that's you. That's me. The leper who had no form of beauty to be desired, he's willing. The leper who was despised and rejected by men, a man who knew sorrow and was acquainted with grief. The leper who men would hide their faces from, Despise and disregard was accepted by the willing Lord who is able. Now, let's listen to what was written about our Lord and Savior about 700 years before he even came. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 6. You can find it or you can just listen. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us. 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Speaking of Christ. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you've ever wondered if the Lord is willing or if he cares, did he not humble himself, taking on the form of a man? Did he not take on our infirmities and carry our diseases? Did he show us he's willing to make us clean when he who knew no sin did what? Became sin on our behalf. Why? So that we might be the righteousness of God. How? Through him. That's good news, isn't it? But we're not going to stop there. We need to come to Jesus because he's able to clean us. We need to come to Jesus because he is able to clean us. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account, let's look at Luke verse 13 to 14. Luke, 13, Luke 5 verse 13. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to let no one or to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. So if we, do, if we were to look at the account in the three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, it consistently says the leprosy immediately, immediately leaves this man. Now this points to the saving work of Jesus Christ. The salvation of Christ is immediate and it lacks nothing. We have to know this. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all, all sin. That's what 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, 7 teaches us, right? And the Bible says if we confess our sin, God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we need to, be hum we need to humbly come as we are to a willing God, agreeing that we have indeed sinned against him, being certain he's able to make you clean in his sight, being certain he's willing because he loves and he leaves this testimony about himself. Furthermore, we see he's able in verse 14 when the leper is told to show himself to the priest for proof. I labored to try to make this clear even to myself. <laughs> so, I pray the Lord makes this clear to you. The priest is like God's um, health inspector. 
So according to Leviticus 14, only he could certify that the leper is cured. Only the priest could clear this man to be, immediate, uh, to, to be allowed back into the community of God's people. The priest could not heal the leper. God had to heal, but the priest could only verify that he was healed. And once verified, then this week-long ritual of cleansing began. The healed person would have to shave all the hair off their bodies, eyebrows, everything. Look kind of weird, right? And then they would have to bathe. Uh, and then they were declared clean. And the ritual concluded on the eighth day with the priest making an atoning sacrifice. Now, the whole ritual was a picture of the cleansing and the removal of sin for his people. OK, and that is that was to be fulfilled. They were to, they were to look forward to Jesus who fulfilled that very thing. So that's what the priest had to do. But Christ, brothers and sisters, check this out. The benefit of being in Christ. Christ has a more excellent ministry. Check this out. He's able to both clean and approve those who come. And he's able to do that immediately. There was no seven, eight days of waiting. He's able to bring the unclean to God and back into the congregation of God's people. For us who have come to him, we're no longer strangers, right? We're no longer aliens. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's how the Bible describes this, right? So the purpose of going to the priest was to announce to the priest that the Messiah was present. So this was the gospel to them. Their work, their labor was finished. Jesus was the reality of their job. And he was the reality of what their jobs pointed to. They were only a shadow of the one to come. And the Messiah had now come. They were to understand that Jesus is both the high priest and the sacrifice who was able to accomplish what they could never accomplish in their ministry. Forgiveness, cleansing of sin and union with God once and for all. So do you see how he is able? He's able because God has chosen him to be a high priest for all those who humbly come to him as they are with faith filled hearts knowing he can or believing he can and will clean them. Brothers and sisters, we need to come to Jesus because he is willing and he's able. So in closing, if you have not come, if you have not come, maybe the Lord is using your suffering to cause you to seek the Lord. All have sinned. All have suffered from sin. And more than anything, we need to be clean before God who's holy. And these physical miracles um, show us our spiritual condition. And all these spiritual miracles that Jesus did pointed to what he came to do for us spiritually and even physically through his atoning uh, substitution um, as he died on the cross. But the question is, will you come? God has shown us how we must come. We must come humbly. And as we are, he'll clean us up. But will you come? We must come with faith, believing he can. Will you believe? 
Or will you cry out like the father who needed help for his child saying, Lord, help my unbelief. There's hope for even those with the smallest of faith. Come because he's willing to clean you. Come because he's able to clean you. And this leper asks to be made whole. Or he, he asks to be, made, to be clean, not made whole. And I think that's really important to notice because it would have been tragic if we only come to Jesus for monetary benefits. It would have been tragic if this leper came to Jesus, left whole, but dead in his sin. It would be tragic if we seek the Lord for whatever reason of comfort and not ask him to deal with our real heart's issues. And if you're already believing, brothers and sisters, may this be an encouragement. As a high priest with the only one, uh, as a high priest, as a high priest was the only one who was able to bring someone back to the household of God, Christ is the high priest of God forever. And he has done that very thing. Human high priests, they died and needed cleansings cleansing themselves because they too sinned. But Jesus is sinless. He's a sinless high priest forever with the indestructible life. That means the sacrifice that, that he made once and for all for you will always stay applied forever as long as he lives. And he does live forever. So we are forever unified forever loved as he is loved by God, forever unified with God and unified with his people as long as he lives. So no matter how unclean one is, we can approach God for cleansing from sin, humbly and believing because he's willing and able. And you know what? These things were written as Luke says, that we might be certain. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.